Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What? more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity line. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. How far can someone go to prove their innocence and save their own life? On February 9th, 1947, a man was born who would, later in life, be connected to a truly heinous crime. A crime that he swore he didn't commit and exhausted every single avenue to try and prove it. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. At 11 p.m. on September 24th, 1983, Wanda English, living with her parents in Spalding County, Georgia, put her 29-month-old daughter, Leslie Michelle, in her bed and kissed her goodnight. Shortly after she did so, her sister's estranged husband, Eddie Albert Crawford, born February 9, 1947, showed up at the house and asked if she wanted to accompany him to a liquor store. Agreeing, she joined him on the trip and, en route to the store, an already intoxicated Eddie made an unsuccessful attempt to purchase some marijuana. Back at the house, Eddie made a pass at his sister-in-law and asked her to come spend the night with him. She refused and he walked out the front door. Then, a little later that same night, Wanda came into contact with Eddie again at the home of another one of her sisters. During this particular visit, Eddie kicked an ashtray off the table and it hit Wanda. While trying to pick up the spilled contents, Eddie then, quote, grabbed her and pushed her. Furious, Wanda yelled that she wouldn't allow him to treat her this way and threw the tray back at him. 
Tensions high, when Wanda left her sister's home, Eddie was heard yelling out to her, quote, I'll fix you. While all of this was happening, Leslie Michelle English, fast asleep, was in the care of her grandfather, Raymond Fuller, who later testified that, after checking on the young girl and pulling the blankets back on her sleeping body, he went to bed at around 3 a.m. and was woken, quote, sometime later by the sound of someone walking through the house. Taking a look, he saw that it was Eddie Crawford, lighted cigarette lighter in hand, walking through the young girl's bedroom and in the direction of the bathroom. A frequent guest in their home, Raymond thought nothing of his son-in-law's movements and went back to sleep. He woke again at 5 a.m. when Wanda returned home and discovered her daughter was missing from her bed. Searching for Leslie herself, Wanda saw Eddie in a parked car, motor running, sitting outside of a neighboring house. Asking him if he had seen her little girl, Eddie told her that he had not. And later, when Raymond Fuller asked if he knew where Leslie was or where she could possibly be, Eddie responded that, quote, Randy done it. Randy was Leslie's father. Not buying it, a neighbor later identified Eddie as the man she saw driving up to the Fuller home at around 3.45 to 4 a.m., leaving the car headlights on and the motor running, and returning just five minutes later and driving off. Eddie then became more suspicious when his story started to change, and he couldn't quite seem to mark his movements for the window of time in which law enforcement, now involved, believed the girl went missing. Speaking with the police, Eddie claimed he spoke with Raymond Fuller before Leslie's disappearance, but said that he could not remember what took place inside the home that night. He then said that he remembered driving his car, Leslie sitting in his lap, and trying to wake her with no luck. Claiming she would not talk to him, saying it was because he believed the girl was, quote, mad, he said he stopped the car, walked out onto the pavement with Leslie in his arms, and remembered nothing else until he was getting back into the driver's seat without his niece. On September 26, 1983, Leslie Michelle English was found in a wooded area wearing nothing but a pajama top. Taken in for an autopsy, covered in bruises and cuts, her cause of death was listed as asphyxiation. There was also a tear in the young girl's vaginal opening, and based on the size, the pathologist opined that it must be made by a, quote, object more consistent with a penis than other objects. Placing her time of death approximately at 4.30 a.m. on September 25th and finding that the hairs on her body were consistent with Eddie Crawford's hair, as well as the fibers matching those in his car, all attention focused squarely on the victim's uncle. Further connecting him to the crime was the bloody shirt he wore the night of the murder, though the blood could not be typed conclusively, as well as the pillowcase, mattress pad, and bed sheet found on the side of the road not far from Leslie's body that, according to Eddie's wife, came from their trailer. After finding that the hairs on the bedding were consistent with both Eddie's and Leslie's, as well as their type O blood, just three days after the young girl went missing, Eddie Crawford was arrested and charged with her murder. After a trial that began on February 27, 1984, on March 8th, he was found guilty as charged and sentenced to death for beating raping, and strangling the toddler to death. In an attempt to appeal the death sentence, Eddie's lawyers hired a psychologist 
who researched his medical history, his childhood of abuse, and the fact that his family attempted to commit him to a VA hospital with no luck. He himself tried to seek treatment for his mental illness and was now being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and severe post-traumatic shock disorder stemming from all that he witnessed while serving in Vietnam. Claiming, quote, his history post-Vietnam is remarkable for intrusive thoughts over death scenes he witnessed, feelings of guilt, dreams, anger, depression, increased alcohol and cannabis use, self-destructive behaviors, inability to sustain employment, three marriages, suicidal ideation, and emotional liability, Eddie became an alcoholic and suffered from frequent blackouts, which allegedly is what happened the night of Leslie Michelle's murder. He was re-indicted on October 9th, 1985, reconvicted, and sentenced to death a second time in February of 1987. From 1990 until just before his execution, Eddie Crawford filed a writ of habeas corpus, an application for a certificate of probable cause, a motion for reconsideration, a writ of sociary, a petition for rehearing, a federal habeas corpus petition, a number of other general appeals for various issues, and even a motion for a new trial and for post-conviction DNA testing, all of which were denied. Hoping to prove that the hairs found on the victim came not from Eddie, but from one of the three men convicted or accused of child molestation, some of which were family members, who might have had contact with the girl that night, his lawyers continued to fight and push for testing. There was also the matter of a pair of bloody trousers found in the days after the abduction that did not belong to Eddie Crawford. Finally, in 2003, a motion for stay of execution was granted, and oral arguments were heard by the Supreme Court in 2004, in which the court's denial for his motion for further DNA testing was affirmed, stating that, quote, even assuming the reality of the DNA testing results Crawford has hypothesized, such results would not in reasonable probability have led to Crawford's acquittal or to his receiving a sentence less than death if they had been available at Crawford's trial. Finally, exhausting all of his options, Eddie Albert Crawford was led to the execution chamber on July 19, 2004. His final words were, there hasn't been a time in the last 21 years I wouldn't have laid down my life for little Leslie. I don't remember anything. If this will give them peace, it was well worth it. Many stand firmly in their belief that Eddie was an innocent man. Others, those who believe in his guilt, cite his early life, military career, and mental health as reason enough to have sentenced him to life rather than death. At the end of the day, however, these arguments fell on deaf ears, and a young girl remains the victim at the center of the story. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on February 10th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.